Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, and I want us to begin reading in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. It says in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miracles, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, this morning we thank you for the precious beautiful presence of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, O oh God, that our hearts may be challenged and that we will be excited about the things that you're doing right here in our lives and, and in our midst. And we give you all the praise and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning... I want us to take, a, us to take a look, I want every one of us to take a look this morning at a church that I believe it's a tremendous example for all of us when we think about church growth or when we think about reaching people and seeing the lives of people transformed and change. I believe that the desire of every person here this morning, every one of us Christians, those that are Christians this morning, the desire that you should have within your heart is to see people come to Jesus Christ, to see people saved. And you know why? Because that goes along with the heart of Jesus, with the heart of God. You remember that when Jesus was here and he was here on earth, he drew to himself a number of disciples. And then he, he said to them, he wanted to, to develop them, to disciple them. So that after he was gone, they would go ahead and continue on the work of taking the gospel, not only to Jerusalem, but throughout the entire world. And many of them, in fact, just about all of them, while, while Jesus was walking with them, and then when the persecution came, and Jesus had to go to the cross of Calvary, many of them, they fear gripped them, they ran away, they went into hiding, and they acted very cowardly, many of the disciples. But something happened to them that transformed their lives. And that was the receiving the power of the Holy Spirit within their lives, receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, go up and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. Then once they were filled with the Holy Ghost and received the power and received the person of the Holy Spirit within their lives, that energized them to go about and boldly begin to do the work that God had called them to do. And in this passage, we see 
uh, Peter standing up, and Peter begins to preach a powerful message under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and many people surrendered and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Now, the early church, there's a number of uh, dynamics that we're able to see in the early church that we could look at as an example of how a church should be. If we want to experience growth, if we want to be a powerful church and a church that is making an impact not only in our community but all over the world, there's a number of things that we need to look at that the early church had that hopefully we, we have or we, if we don't have it, then maybe we can get a hold of it so that we could effectively also do God's work, the work that he's called us to do. Now, there's a number of things that I want to bring up. Number one... We see that in the early church in verse 41, it tells us that there were converts, that people that got saved, there was conversion. That's the very first thing, that as they preached the message, people got saved, and people gave their lives to Christ. It is important within a church for people to surrender their lives to Christ. It says over here in verse 41, those who had received his word, that means that there were people, as, as, they, as the preaching went forth, there were people that received the word of God, and the word of God was able to transform them. Their lives were changed. They got saved. There was conversion, conversions that took place. And you think, and you, you, sometimes we think that because a church is big, and there's many people within the church, and numerically the church is growing, that there's a lot of salvations taking place. Not necessarily so. We have many churches today that are growing numerically, but if you really take a closer look and begin to investigate how many people have been saved throughout the years, you will find that very few have been saved. It's just a lot of people that have left other churches to join that particular church. Now, when that begins to happen to the church, to any church, eventually death is going to begin to set in. You cannot have a church that is alive without new babies being born into the kingdom of God. What brings joy to a church and brings excitement to a church is when they see new babies every week born in the kingdom of God. Babies added to the church. And this is the way the early church was where new babies came in and, and there was a whole lot of babies that came in, a lot of them that that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So they had conversion. Every, every week they would experience people getting saved. Secondly, not only did they have conversion, but also there was identification. In other words, these people that got saved, they identified themselves with their master. They identified themselves with Christ. The Bible tells us in verse 41 that they were baptized. It's important. When a person gets saved, it's important to follow the next step, and that next step is baptism. And this is why baptisms is a, a, a glorious. Whenever we have a baptismal Sunday, that's a special Sunday because that's when we're able to witness all these babies going and being baptized in the water. And, and it's an indication, hey, something is happening within the church. People are getting saved. And not only are they getting saved, but these people are declaring it by following the Lord in water baptism. 
When a person is saved and follows the Lord in water baptism, they're actually making a declaration that I am declaring myself that I belong now to Jesus. Just like the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things become new. It is a proclamation that is being made. I was in sin. I was lost in bondage. But Jesus came into my life. And because Jesus came into my life, I've been born again. And then they go into the baptismal water and they say, the old man is dead and buried and praise God, resurrected in the newness of life. It's an outward expression of an inward experience. It's a testimony to their family, a testimony to their neighborhood, a testimony to the world that their lives have been changed. And how beautiful it was, the last baptism that we had, I understand that there were over 100, 100 men and women that got baptized. That's exciting. That's exciting especially when their friends are able to witness it. That's an opportunity to bring friends and family members. And I think that the best way to have baptisms, it shouldn't necessarily be done in the church, in the temple. I think the best place to have it is right out there where all the people are. Maybe in somebody's pool in the neighborhood. Go back to the neighborhood, go back to the hood, go back to the barrio and have a pool and invite the whole neighborhood to come. And see people being baptized, and it is a testimony that Jesus is alive. And that he's going about saving people. So baptism is very important. And I remember when I got baptized, I was so excited. Man, I, I, I was proud of myself when I got baptized. You know, I never really finished anything. I didn't finish school. I was a dropout of everything. And I get saved. And they say, you need to be baptized in water. I said, oh, okay, praise God. And for me, it was something very, very special. When they put me in that water and I went down, I said, there goes the old man. And the old man's going down, staying down. And then when I came up, I said, oh, there's the new man that's come up. And it had, it had special meaning within my life. And then to have all the people come and congratulate me and say, praise the Lord. You're part of the kingdom of God. You're part of the family of God. It was, it was something that had a lot of meaning within my life. And I think that this is the way we should feel as the body of Christ. Not only the person that's being baptized, but also those of us that are part of the body of Christ, we should rejoice and get excited about those that are following the Lord in, in water baptism. Because what it actually, it's, it's a declaration being made that we get in the devil a black eye. That these people that were in bondage, we've, God has taken them out of bondage. And these people that were in that bondage have been set free. And it's something to rejoice about. So baptism is very important. And I hope and pray that all of these beautiful, precious people that got saved last week in the crusade, the next step for them is to follow the Lord in water baptism. Those of you that got saved, the next step is following the Lord in water baptism. And those of you that have been saved for a long time, it's about time you get baptized. <laughs> That's an opportunity. I've seen some people that they say, I've been saved for 15 years, and finally now I'm going to get baptized. You know, you, 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 there's no such thing as a, an undercover Christian. A secret Christian. God wants us to declare our testimony and let it ring far and wide 
And the best way to let it ring far and wide is by coming and getting baptized in water before everybody, inviting the neighborhood, inviting your own old friends, and invite everybody to come and watch you follow the Lord in water baptism. That's exciting. That's a declaration that is being made, that you're identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. And then us who are Pentecostal or Spirit-filled, we know that there's another baptism too, right? Baptism in the Holy Ghost. And, you know, it's funny. It, people just get baptized in the Holy Spirit here in our church. I think most of the people that have been saved, in, as soon as they've been saved, in, in a short period of time, they experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Most of them have experienced, I think, in an atmosphere like this where the Spirit of God is moving we don't have to be emphasizing it or get somebody and, you know, get a, hit him on the mouth. or It just happens. Even the, the guys and the girls that are in the rehab home, they get in there, man. Before you know it, they're, they're talking in tongues, you know. And so that's another experience. And it's very important for us to, ha to have that experience. If it was important for the disciples to have that experience that Jesus says, listen, before you go out and begin to evangelize, don't leave that upper room until you have that experience, until you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And then they were baptized. They, that, that equipped them, that energized them to go about and do the work that God had called them to do. So baptism is very important, and the early church they were saved, converted, and then there was identification with Christ. They were baptized in water. Then, number three, these people were incorporated into the church. Now, many times we say, uh, what happens to all these people that get saved and then you don't see them? You know what the problem is? Is that some people come up and they make a profession of faith, and accept Jesus within their hearts, and then they go out and they forget to come back to church. See, once we give our lives to Christ, we, gotta, we have to give our back to that old way of living. And then we got to look at the people that, that in the congregation and say, that's not my family out there in the world anymore. These are my family. These are the people that are now my family. And the early church Christians would incorporate themselves into the church. This is why it says that there were many that were added to the church. And it's very, very important for a new believer to get incorporated within the church, to, to, to all of a sudden find their place within the body. And I think that it's, it's not only their responsibility, but it's also our responsibility as church members. We should try to make it easy for them to get incorporated in the church. When was the last time you said hello to somebody that you didn't know? I think we need to go out, those of us that have been here for a while, we need to look around. And especially if we have close to 200 brand new babies that have been born into the kingdom of God, then it's our responsibility to go out and to seek them and to and to watch over them and to make them feel welcome and make them feel comfortable within the body. This morning I gave an illustration of uh, my, my wife's sister, or my wife's nephew, that's the way I would say it. My wife's nephew lives in Seattle, Washington. And they, she has family there. And when I was in Seattle the other day, 
I was, I was preaching one of our churches, and we had some of the churches come together, and I was having like um, a vision seminar. And all of a sudden, her nephew came to church, and also the family came to church. And before that, he wasn't saved. And all of a sudden, he says, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord. So I got curious. I said, well, how did it happen? He said, well, I went to this church, and he mentioned the name of the church. And he says, and they made an invitation, and I went up, and I gave my heart to Christ. And I says, oh, yeah, and, and, and then what happened? He says, well, then I went home. And he says, you know what happened? Right after that, just about a, a day or two right after that, there were two people that came, came knocking on my door. And he says, there were two young people. And when I heard somebody at the door, I thought it was somebody trying to sell me something. And I, I didn't want to open the door, but they insisted. And they kept on knocking on the door. And finally, I went to the door, opened the door. And right away, they told me, we're from the so-called church. And they mentioned the, the name of the church. And they said, praise the Lord. They said, do you still have it? And then he looked, have what? do you still have it? You're still saved. And he says, yes, I'm still saved. I think so. <laughs> and then they began to talk to him. They prayed with him. They rejoiced with him and his wife. And then they went on their way. And, and they invited them to go to church that Sunday. When they went back to church, you know what the church did? This church has over 5,000 people. And yet they took the time to get an elderly couple to be a sign to that precious brand new baby couple. And that elderly couple were assigned to them for six weeks. And for six weeks, that elderly couple were taking care of those little babies in the Lord. They would call them up and, how you doing? They would go to church together. They would have fellowship together. They would go out and drink coffee together. And for six weeks, they nourished them in the Lord. And then after the six weeks, they said, okay, now you get in there and you're part of the body of Christ. They were incorporated within the body. That impressed me so and the reason why it impressed me so, it was because it wasn't a small little church, but it was a big church, even bigger than ours, that was so concerned about every person that would come and give their lives to Jesus Christ. See, it is precious before the eyes of God when somebody comes and surrender their lives to Christ. So there's a responsibility for those that accept the Lord, and there's a responsibility for us as Christians. And we need to seek that they're incorporated within the church. This is why I tell them, when they come up and accept Jesus, I says, you're home! I don't tell them, hey, uh, I hope you find a nice neighborly church. No, man, you got saved over here. The Lord set you free now. Get plugged in. In that word, get plugged in. Get connected to the church. And that's the only way you grow. When the person begins to isolate themselves, then they're easy picking for the devil. That's how the devil picks them off, when they isolate themselves. There's no long rangers in Jesus. We all need each other. We need that sense of belonging. So incorporating the church is very important. Then number four... The Bible tells us that they received instruction. And the way they received instruction, I'm sure that they would get together, have probably a big gathering, and then they would have the little gatherings that they would have in the home, in the houses. And it says from house to house, they would have fellowship, they would break bread from house to house. You know what that tells me? That small groups are very important. Small groups are very important. 
If it wasn't for those small groups, the church in the book of Acts would have never been able to grow to the dimension that the church grew. Because there wasn't any building that was large enough to accommodate the number of people that were getting saved. But they all found their little small groups. And there were small groups all over Jerusalem of believers that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And they would meet together and break bread together and, and study the word of God together. Small groups are very important. And this is why we have small groups in our church. And I, I wish, I, I just pray, I, I wish that every one of you, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would pray that every one of you would be in part, would be part of a small group. Then you feel that sense of belonging. You, you don't feel a sense of belonging when you just come to church and you're just looking at the back of somebody's head. And just sit down and just for a little time together. And then you leave and we don't see you again till next Sunday. It is very important not only come into the, the big gathering that we have on Sunday, but then throughout the week, have community, have fellowship. Get into those small groups uh, that you can learn and be instructed in the Word of God. And those are the best places for you to minister and learn how to minister. See, it's very difficult for us to let you come up here and minister. But in a small group, you can. The small group, you can get up and start giving your testimony. First, give your name. Oh, my name is so-and-so, just like the kids did this morning. And then they'll ask you, well, how did you get saved? And then you got an opportunity to give your testimony. And then later on, you, you, before you know it, you give them Bible studies. And God is building you. God is growing you. And those, those are some of the best ways to grow spiritually when getting involved in these small groups. So we have these small groups. The early church had these small groups. We have these small groups. It's important for you to get involved in. Number five, they were also involved. There was involvement. In verse 42 to 46, it tells us that they were actively involved within the ministry of the church. Now let me just labor this a little bit. Let me just share with you a little bit about being involved. I wonder how many of you are involved in this church, actively involved. I would say there's a, probably a large percentage of you that you're not really involved. You're really, you just attend the services. Do you think it's God's will for you just to come and attend services? Or does God have a plan for you? If he brought you here, does he have a purpose for you and a plan for you and a ministry for you within the church? I'm going to tell you this, that God has a plan for every one of us. There's not one of us that God doesn't have a plan for and that God doesn't have a ministry for. And where does he want you to minister? You begin to minister right in your home church. He says, be faithful in the little, and as you're faithful in the little, then he's going to put you over much. You know how you receive the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you know how you feel a sense of fulfillment? It's not by just attending. By just attending church, you just ease your conscience. You go out and you say, well, I went to church today. Praise God. And you pat yourself on the shoulder. I went to church. At least I went to, at least I went to church. I go to church. I attend. But you're not getting the fullness of the blessing that God wants to give you. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, I've seen this happen. I see it happens with individuals all the time. 
I see individuals that were inactive, and all of a sudden they become active, and I see a big change take place in their lives. A good example, and I mentioned it this morning, they were here. It was uh, Dale. Now, you don't know Dale. When I say Dale, you say Dale who? Most of you don't know Dale. He's our contractor. He took over, uh, uh, he took over with Ben, and we needed him for the conference, and we said, Ben, we need you for the conference, and I, I'm going to pull you out of here and let Dale begin to finish it. So Ben took it up to a certain point, and now Dale is taking it from there. And most people, they, everybody knows Ben, but nobody knows Dale. And I'll tell you where he sits all the time, right over there. He's not there right now, so don't look. <laughs> he sits right in that corner. He's married to a young lady by the name of Eleanor. And he sits in that same seat every Sunday. And he's been sitting in that same seat for over 15 years. And the last time that he was actively involved was when we were building this building. He was the contractor in building this building. And for all this time, he's just been low-profile Dale. <laughs> it's very rare you ever see him make an altar call. Very rare. I mean, you know, it's like, wow, you made an altar call. <laughs> and if he makes the altar call, he makes it right there, you know. <laughs> you know? Well, all of a sudden, he got involved in the building. And my wife... The other day she came and she says, look what they'll send you. And he sent me some drawings of uh, the interior of the building and some of the colors. And she says, wow, he was so excited. And I said, well, tell me, what did he say? He, he says, he was, he was so excited. He says, he says this is my church. <laughs> this is my church. And I want the bells for my church. And I've been waiting for 15 years just for this day. That guy is ignited, energized, excited. Every time I look at him, he talks and he's he took ownership and, oh, we got to do this and we're going to get it done and praise God. And when I said, let's get, no, that's not good enough. We need the best. I said, wow, como ha cambiado, bro. <laughs> How you have changed. What's come over you? Well, you know what's come over him? Involvement. He's beginning to use the gifts that God has given to him, he's taking those gifts and he's using it to further the kingdom of God. I'll give you another example. And it just came to me. You know, I didn't have these on my notes this morning. It just came to me out of inspiration. I said, sound good, man. I'll keep them. I said, I'll repeat them in the next service. Brother Rudy. I don't know if he's here. Rudy, are you around? Where's Rudy at? Same seat? <laughs> Two services? There he is by the door. Garden. Rudy, go like that. There he is right over there. That's enough, Rudy. That's enough. <laughs> now, you usually don't know who Rudy is, but Rudy's been around a long time. Him and his wife, he has a beautiful family, beautiful children. And Rudy's also been 
very low-key, low-profile. He's the type of guy that when you see him, you don't know whether does he like me or you don't like me, you know? You know, you don't. I, you know, us ministers are like that. When we come see somebody, well, you know, do I have favor with this guy? I don't have to because sometimes you go, how are you doing, pastor? You know, feel serious like, you know? And you got to go out of your way and say hello or they just won't come, you know? And many times because they're shy and because they're just, they're, you know, low-profile people. Well, this guy, something happened to him recently. I don't know what in the world happened to him. The other day, I just look, and all of a sudden I look, and I see him up here dancing. He's up here dancing, going like this, you know. I don't know if he has a lot of style, but he was, you know, you know, just... I think as he gets along, he'll get better. He's not like my, my brother over there that takes a tambourine and he charges with the tambourine, you know. <laughs> we all have our different styles. <laughs> but I said, what happened to Rudy? And then uh, I'm walking out one day and he comes up to me, oh, pastor, I love you. That Rudy? <laughs> I gotta find out what's happened to Rudy. Well, I start checking it out. Well, what, well you know what I found out? I found out that uh, for, for a period of time, he was just coming and, and just saying, this is my church, and sitting back and just getting blessed. And, and you know, and then one day he decided, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna do something. And he figured, what could I do? Well, he got involved in security. Before you know, he started carrying a badge, walking around. <laughs> and then not only did he get involved in security, but he also went ahead and he became part of the FILME group. And he started going to the FILME meetings. And man, what a transformation has taken place in his life. I'm sure that if you would ask him, how is it? What's the difference now? You've been coming for over 15 years. What is the difference? What is that you feel now? He'll probably tell you, before I didn't have that joy. Before I didn't have that excitement. Before I didn't have that zeal. But praise God, once I took the little that I had and I put it in the hands of the master, my life has not been the same. I've been energized. You will not be the same once you take what God has given to you and begin to use it to be a blessing to somebody else. That's where you experience the joy. That's where you experience the fullness of what God and the Bible says he wants to give us. So involvement is so very, very important. And then I just have two more and we finish. The propagation of the gospel. In other words, reaching out into our community. Uh, let me tell you this. We always have to be an evangelistic church. God has called his church to be evangelistic. You know, now we need to minister to the saints, but there are some churches that they overdo it. 
and they're overdoing and ministering to the saints, and they're not involved in, it, in, in the evangelistic efforts. But if you look at Jesus, the very heart of Jesus was evangelistic. Everything that he said was, we got to reach the world. That's the message. That's the message that he gave to the early church. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. He gave them a mission of global evangelism. That's the mission that God has given to us. But where do you begin? Well, you begin, first of all, with your family. I think that once you give your life to Christ, you got to look at your family and say, my family needs Jesus. I better be a witness to them. You know why we don't witness as much as we should? It's because we don't really sense the, the real reality of a hell, of heaven and a hell. Sometimes it seems like a, like a dream or somehow it's like a fairy tale that there really is a hell. But the Bible speaks about a hell and it's a reality that there is a hell. And if you really felt that reality and that reality really made an impact within your life, you're going to say, my family's going to hell if I don't get them saved. And then you're going to go after your family. And not only go after your family, but then we go and we make an impact in the community that we're in. And I thank God that in our church, we've been able to make an impact in the community. Everybody knows Victory Outreach. Now, sometimes it's good. Sometimes not too good. Sometimes they say, I wish they get Victory Outreach out of here, you know. Victory Outreach makes a lot of noise. Victory Outreach is having too many activities. There people all around the place. Well, wasn't it like the early church is the way it was? They filled all Jerusalem with Christians running around telling people about Jesus Christ. We should make an impact in our community. And praise God, we're doing just that. You know what I got excited about? I got excited about Wednesday. Wednesday night, I came over here. Look at these young people right away. There they go. So you can't say anything about them right away. They, you know, start clapping. Be cool, man. Let me finish. Wednesday night, I came because uh, the street children were going to be here. And they just came in that day, so we came, Julie and I, we were sitting over there, and I was blown away. I don't know how many of you have come on a Wednesday night, but you got to come check it out. Even if, even, even though you're, if you're not young like I am, you just come. <laughs> just come and check it out. Now, it's different. They worship different. They have do different things that you're going to have to do. You feel funny. They put the lights out, you know. They make their announcements different, you know. Sometimes they even put all the lights on and have a little flashlight and somebody's talking to somebody else. And, <laughs> and they make announcements like that and, wow, that's heavy. <laughs> but they're getting the attention of young people. It's become a, a, a fishing pool for, to reach young people. This place, when I came on Wednesday, my God, there were people like over here and over there and over there and even over here, and it went all the way over here and over there, and even some in the section of the men's home. I said, wow, what a mind, what is happening over here on Wednesday night? 
And I walked out of there and I said, God is doing something with the young people. And not only do I see it happening here, but I see it happening all over the nation and all over the, all over the world. Everywhere that we go and have an activity or we have a play, you know who are the people that come? Young people. Young people are, are hungry. They're, they're searching and seeking, seeking for something that is real. And you know what I told Sonny Junior? I said, Sonny, I, says, I, got a, I, I, got, I think I got a God idea. I said, I want to take that youth service, and I want to begin to put it on radio, announce it, put spot announcements on radio, flood the radios with spot announcements. And this is the way the spot announcement is going to go. Spot announcement is going to say, you know, come and Victory Outreach, or, or Timothy, or whatever, Victory Outreach and invite you to come and join the one of the fastest growing youth gathering in the Southland today, you know, where hundreds of young people gather together. Come and be here this Wednesday. And I'm believing, I, we're going to start putting that, and I'm looking at, imagine all the, you know who's bringing in the adults? The young people are bringing, usually the, the adults bring the young people, but it's the young people that are bringing in the adults. There is a move of God that's taking place. Now what we got to do is get these young people and bridge them into the life of the church. Now we just got this over here and that over there, but we got to fill all this with young people. Don't worry, we'll find room for those old folk. <laughs> I don't say us old folk, I say those. Huh? I should say us, right? We're going into our next building, so we're getting ready for that as well. They'll be, we'll be able to accommodate everybody. But the important thing is that we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was impressed when I, I heard uh, a message from Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Church in Chicago. That's one of the biggest churches in America today. I think they have about 15,000 on the weekends that come to service. 15,000. Imagine that. That come, they have multiple services on the weekend, and they average around 15,000 people. Now, and, and you know what I, what I heard him say? I heard him say, you know, for the last few years, he says, we've been in neutral. He says, so many people have been coming to our church that we really stopped evangelizing aggressively. And we were just taking care of what we had and dealing with the people that we now have. He says, but God got a hold of me. And he says, and now I feel that we need to put it in gear. And for the next five years, we're believing God for the greatest evangelistic explosion that we have ever had. Now here's a man in a church that has 15,000 people. He could just sit back and say, well, we've done our job. We have enough people now. Now we can relax. No, man. He says, no. He says, if we don't evangelize, then we're going to die. Even though we have 15,000 people, we still need to get out there and get more people. And get more people saved and bring more people into the kingdom of God. See? Going out and taking the message of Jesus Christ and bringing new people into the kingdom of God is what keeps a congregation alive and keeps the energy and, and life within the congregation. So we need to be able to give the word. And then last of all, we need to reproduce. 
And you know what reproducing means that if you win somebody else, imagine if you win somebody and then that somebody wins somebody. All those people, it's about 200 people that got saved. Imagine if every one of them went and won somebody else, what will happen? We have 400. And imagine if every one of those that they want wants somebody else, there's a reproducing that takes place. That's the way you're able to evangelize the world. But not only should people reproduce, but also churches should reproduce. And I thank God that we've done our share. We still have to do more. I don't know how many churches we put out there. Probably Pastor Saul would know. But we've put a lot of churches. There's been a lot of churches that have been planted, that we have sent out, that we have reproduced from our church. And what makes it exciting is this. We put out a church, and then we become the mother church to that church, or I become a spiritual parent. And then that church puts out another church, and then we become grandparents. And then they go out and put another one, and then we become great-great-parents. And I think we are now with great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-parents because of the reproduction that has taken place and the reproducing that has been taking place. So we need to be able to reproduce. And this is the, these are the characteristics of the early church. This is why they were so powerful. If we have those same characteristics that the early church had, then we too will be a powerful people and we too will become a powerful church. Now we've been packed out and we've been growing We've been growing leaps and bounds. We've been growing. Not only are we growing here locally, but we've been growing all over the, all over the outreach. I, I, I don't know the percentage of the growth. I'm going to mention it at the conference, but it's been a very high percentage of growth. There's been a tremendous percentage of growth that we have experienced in victory outreach all over the world. And I say we're just scratching the surface. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do through your life and my life and through this ministry. This morning, I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me. Now, listen to me very carefully. L listen to me carefully, just these last words. Okay, could I have your attention? I want you to get a hold of this. What I have spoken this morning may sound radical. And to some people, we're known as... Uh, a radical church, and radical people. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.